0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your great blessing towards us. You have blessed us in so many ways. And we particularly thank you this morning as we come to your word to thank you for the blessing of actually having it. Lord, it is a tremendous thing that you have spoken to sinful humans. And Lord, we pray that we may understand what we're reading now. We pray that you may help me to deliver the message that you have helped me prepare through this week. And we pray that your Holy Spirit may indeed be moving in the hearts of the people this morning so that they are strengthened and encouraged to continue doing what is right in your eyes rather than what is wrong. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever suffered for doing the right thing? Suffering for doing the right thing is always a painful experience. Uh, Just even recently I've suffered for doing the right thing. I mentioned, I think, a few sermons ago in one of my illustrations that I had moved contracts with a particular provider of a service to our house and then I'd pulled out within the cooling off period and gone back to the other one. Well, the second service has continued uh, to try and get me to pay uh, money for their service, even though they're no longer offering me that service, and I have done all the requirements, and then they assured me, yes, your service has been cancelled, you've moved back to your old provider, and this week I had an email from a debt collection agency that I'm now responsible to them to make payment for this service that I've never actually received. And all this time it has been a great ordeal of suffering as I've bounced emails back and forth with the company and now I'm having to respond to a debt collection agency for the first time in my life. And it'll be interesting to see whether I end up with a bad credit rating through this uh, fee of, in the end, it's only $88 that they're trying to get out of me. Suffering for doing the right thing can be a very painful experience and this morning we're going to look at this subject of suffering for doing the right thing and particularly for doing the right thing when it comes to God's will, for doing God's will which is always the right thing to do and looking particularly at Christ's suffering for doing the right thing and how that is an example for us to follow, how we can learn from Christ's suffering and then suffer ourselves for doing the right thing. And so that's where we're at in 1 Peter chapter 4. I know it's been a while since we were last in 1 Peter. It was actually... Uh last year, uh, towards the end of last year that we were there. So it's been almost a full year since we were last in 1 Peter. But we finished at the end of uh, chapter 3, verse 22. And so now I'm picking up again in chapter 4, verse 1. And we're going to look at the subject of Christ's suffering, which has occurred again and again throughout this epistle, which is a lot about the suffering of the saints. This is a, a a book of the Bible that, if you're going through any type of suffering, this is a very good passage, uh, a book to look at because it was written to early Christians who were undergoing intense suffering. And so, my first main point this morning is to look at the fact that Christ indeed suffered. If you've got a bulletin there, you can see on the back there my main points, and you can follow along. My first main point is that Christ actually suffered. Did he suffer? Or am I making this up? Did Christ indeed suffer? Well, Paul, uh, Paul, Peter tells us in verse 1 that Christ did indeed suffer. He says in verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Verse 1 there says, since Christ suffered in his body. Jesus did indeed suffer in his body. And Peter has been telling us this again and again. And so he's put the first word of chapter 4 is, therefore, to tie it back into the fact that he's spoken about Christ suffering before. And we even see that just a few verses back in verse 18. What does it say in verse 18? For Christ died for sins once for all. Christ did indeed suffer even to the point of dying. But why did Jesus suffer? Is it not because he suffered for sin? What does verse 18 say that I just read out? For Christ died for sins once for all. Jesus Christ died for sin. Whereas I've been working towards this point that Christ died for righteousness. Christ died for doing the right thing. For doing God's will. But here in verse 18 it says, for Christ died for sins. Did Jesus, in fact, die for sins? And if he died for sins, as 18 says, whose sins? Did Christ die for his own sins? Did Christ sin and so he deserved to die because the wages of sin is death? No, Jesus, of course, is not one who died for his own sins. He did indeed die and he died for sin, as verse 18 says, but Nowhere in the scriptures do we ever see that Jesus did indeed sin. In fact, there's verses to the contrary all throughout the pages of the New Testament, including even in this book of One Peter. If we just go back to One Peter chapter one verse nineteen, just flip back a page. One Peter chapter one verse nineteen says, "But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect." Jesus was a lamb, a sacrifice. Without blemish or defect, getting at the idea that he never sinned. And then just chapter 2, verse 22 on the next page over. What does it say there in chapter 2, verse 22 about Jesus? It says he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Jesus never died for his own sin because he never sinned. There was no sin for him to die for. No, whose sin did Jesus die for? Who did he suffer for? It was for your sin, for people who repent and believe and trust in him. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 21, the verse just before 22 of he committed no sin. What do we read in verse 21? To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He suffered for you, for your sin. And chapter 2, verse 24, just a few verses down, he himself bore our sins. In his body, on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And then in chapter 3, verse 18, which I've already read once this morning, we see, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Who are the unrighteous ones? Of course it's us, our sinners, to bring you to God. Christ did indeed die for sins. But it was for the sins of believers in him, not for his own sins. And so Peter is very strong on this fact that Christ did indeed die for sin. But here in verse 1 of chapter 4, he's changing uh, to another stance when it comes to Christ's death, why also Christ died, and that is for the will of God. He wants to make a point here that Christ also died for doing what is right. And he's mentioned that previously, if you just look back in verse 14 about the subject of uh, suffering for righteousness sake, chapter three, verse 14 says, "But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed." And in verse 17, it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil." So it is a familiar idea that Peter has here that you can suffer for sin, but you can also suffer for doing the right thing. And I think that's what he's getting at here now with Jesus, that Jesus did indeed suffer for doing the right thing. He went to the cross because it was God's will that he go to the cross. God commanded Jesus to go to the cross. It was God's will that he would go. And we see that in that passage that we looked at in Isaiah 53, where we read from the Old Testament. What does it say? In verse 10 it says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. At the cross, God had commanded Jesus to be there doing the right thing, going to the cross, because that was what God wanted him to do. And so when he is hanging there on the cross, he is doing the right thing. He's doing what God wanted him to do. And even his whole life he experienced suffering. He was born in a very poor way, lived in a very poor town. He experienced suffering all through his life. He was ridiculed by people. And so it's not surprising that Isaiah 53 also says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. He was familiar with suffering all through his life. And why was that? Because he was doing God's will. It was God's will that he come into this world. And he was doing the right thing by coming into this world, experience suffering through his life, and then the ultimate suffering there at the cross as well. So, Jesus suffered for sin, but I think Peter at this point is picking out the fact that Jesus also suffered for God's will too. And that's because in the very next verse it talks about him about doing the will of God. In verse 2 of chapter 4, just after he's talked about Christ's suffering, he says in verse 2, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Speaking about Christians, which we'll get to in a moment, but it's obviously hear about the will of God being a cause of us experiencing suffering. When we obey God's will, we sometimes will suffer as a result. Now this is an amazing truth, that Jesus would bring himself to go to the cross and suffer for God's will. I mean, suffering is not a pleasant thing to do. Why would Jesus come into this world, suffer a painful life and then suffer at the cross? Was he forced to do so? Was he commanded to do so, but he really didn't have much choice? You know how uh, and sometimes you have these illustrations of the military, an officer will say, all right, you, you and you, you're all volunteering to do this. Um, it's not really volunteering at all. It's commanding, and it's, uh, it's not that they have a choice. Did Jesus have a choice? And that brings me to my second main point this morning. Christ suffered because of his attitude. Because of his attitude. Jesus was not forced onto the cross by the Jews, by the Romans, by Pontius Pilate, even by God. He went willingly to the cross. He had an attitude that will look at Uh, in uh, in greater detail over this week and the coming weeks, that we're meant to emulate. It says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, the attitude of Christ towards suffering. And that attitude took him to the cross. He went willingly to the cross, even though he was troubled to consider the pain that was ahead of him. You read that in the Gospels. He, He It wasn't a pleasant experience that he was going to go for, and he knew it. He's sweating their drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's upset about what's going to happen to him. But his he took an attitude that would bring him to go to the cross. What sort of attitude did he have? There's lots of different attitudes that we can take. What was the attitude that brought Jesus Christ to the cross? Well, we have a definition of that attitude in Philippians chapter two. Verse six through to eight. I encourage you to flip over to Philippians chapter two, page one one six two of the Black Church Bibles. And it was an attitude of great humility that we see here in Philippians chapter two. Verse six through to eight. Page one one six two. Of the Black Church Bibles. Philippians chapter two, and I'll read from verse five where Paul, this isn't Peter speaking, this is Paul instead, says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, same attitude, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's this picture here in Philippians chapter 2 where it talks about how great Jesus is, but then he humbles himself. He does not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. That is the attitude that Jesus took toward the cross. He knew it was intense suffering, but he knew it was God's will that he do it. And he went, didn't say, oh, I know better than God the Father. He humbled himself and said, that is what God the Father wants me to do. I will do it, even if it means I have to leave my place in heaven, descend to the earth experience an intense life of suffering, even to one of the most horrific deaths that any person in this world can die. He did it because he humbled himself, because of his attitude of humility. But why would Christ take that attitude of humility to suffer for God's will? Yes, God has commanded him. But did he have any other reasons why he would humble himself for that? That brings me to my third main point, which is also found in in 1 Peter chapter 4, that Christ suffered to be done with sin. Christ suffered to be done with sin. So read with me verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, that attitude that brought him to the cross, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Jesus went to the cross. Why? Because he had the attitude of humility and because he is a person who is done with sin, someone who does not sin. He knew that uh, the cross would mean that sin was paid for, that it would be finished, but also the fact we've looked at already that Jesus Christ is someone who could not sin. He was the pure, spotless lamb. He committed no deceit. And so why would he go to the cross? God had commanded him and he is an obedient person all the time. If it's God's will that I go to the cross, well, of course I will go to the cross. He is someone who is done with sin, someone who doesn't sin. And so, of course, he goes to the cross. So we've seen here this morning that Jesus Christ did indeed suffer, that he suffered because of his attitude, and he suffers because he is someone who is done with sin. He always does God's will. He does not sin and disobey God's will. And so if God's will was that he would go to the cross, then of course he would go to the cross and die. So why is Peter bringing up all this about Jesus' attitude and Jesus' suffering for righteousness? Well, it's because... We're meant to learn from Jesus' example. One Peter has already spoken in the past about us learning from Jesus' example, particularly his life of suffering. And here again, Peter's saying we can learn from Jesus' example of suffering for righteousness. And the first reason we can do that is my fourth main point this morning is because Christians also suffer. Christians suffer. We suffer for doing the right thing. The world often will hate You for doing the right thing. It is a sad truth. Sometimes the world commends us for doing the right thing, but often you will experience hatred from people when you do the right thing. What sorts of things can you do that people will hate you for? Well, in a few weeks, we'll go through a little list that Peter gives us in these verses. If you just look down to verse 3. Verse 3 says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And then it says, They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. What might you suffer for? Well, it's for avoiding things like debauchery, lust, Drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry for not plunging into the same flood of dissipation. When you avoid certain sins that often the world sees as enjoyable and please don't avoid them because then you seem like you're judging me, you're making me look bad if you don't jump in with me into this sin that I love so much. And what do they do? They heap abuse on you as a result. They revile you. They insult you for avoiding sin. And so we see that from Jesus we can learn because we suffer as well for doing the right thing. And this is something that's not just taught in 1 Peter that you do the right thing and will suffer for it. It's all through the New Testament and through the Old as well. And just one example from John chapter 15. We see where Jesus says, No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. If they, if Jesus is our master and he got persecuted for doing the right thing, then of course we should expect, if we are his servants, that we will be persecuted for doing the right thing as well. So if we're going to suffer for doing God's will, how can we go about it so that We can bring ourselves to suffer for God's will, for doing the right thing. After all, suffering hurts. It's not nice when people heap abuse on you for not plunging into the flood of dissipation that they're enjoying. It's not pleasant. So how can we bring ourselves to suffer for doing God's will? Well, we must have the right attitude. We must have the same attitude as Jesus. And that's my fifth main point this morning. Christians suffer because of their attitude. How do you bring yourself to suffer for doing righteousness? It's by having the attitude of Jesus. And we see that in verse 1 of chapter 4. It says there in verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. You need that same attitude that Jesus had. And what was the attitude that Jesus had? It was the attitude of humility. Remember we looked back in Philippians and we saw there that he humbled himself to do God's will. And so we need that same attitude of humility and we need to arm ourselves with it. It's interesting language that Peter uses here in verse 1. He says, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. He's using military terms here because we're in a war. When people are heaping abuse at you, it's not friendly. It's war against you. And so you need to arm yourselves for preparation when people will persecute you for doing the right thing. And what do you arm yourself with? The attitude of Jesus Christ. And what was that attitude? That attitude was humility. You're meant to meditate upon the death of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, and his attitude towards such suffering. You might think you're too good to suffer that your, your, your bodily uh, cries when you suffer, when someone abuses you, not just necessarily with their mouth, but also physically for doing the right thing, you might think, oh, no, I'm not going to submit myself to this. I'm too good for that. I can't take these insults. And so you lash out and you actually break God's law or you submit to doing what they're doing as well with them. And so you choose to be proud and not humble and endure the suffering that is being put upon you, which means you're saying that you're better than Christ. I don't deserve suffering, but consider who Christ was, is, will be, and how he left heaven to suffer in ways that you probably will never suffer insults that he had through his life, the poverty that he experienced that we will never really experience here in Australia. I just sometimes am blown away as you watch movies of things that are in the past or read books and you just think, thank the Lord for plumbing. Thank the Lord for electricity. We live like kings, like emperors didn't even live. We have just such blessing here as Jesus lived a poverty-stricken life. And then experienced a painful death on the cross. We won't experience that, but we're saying, okay, a few insults when people heap abuse at me, I'm too good for that. Whereas Jesus, who is so much better than you, you think you're good, consider who he is, the king of the world, the one who made everything, God himself. And you're saying, you're too good for suffering, but Jesus didn't say, I'm too good to suffer. He came into this world to do God's will, to suffer in that way. And so we need to take that same attitude of humility that Jesus had. But the question is then why should we choose to suffer in this way? Why should we choose to have that attitude, to arm ourselves with humility to do that? I mean, if Jesus did indeed die for our sins on the cross, well, surely we can just sin, escape the abuse of people... And Jesus will pick up the tab, his death will pay for our sins, it'll be all okay. Well, that brings me to my sixth main point this morning. Christians suffer to be done with sin, and that's in the text as well, as we've already seen a few times. Verse one says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Just as I said before, that Jesus done with sin in that he would not disobey God's will. If God wills that he goes to the cross, then he goes to the cross because he is not someone that sins. And it is the same with us if we are indeed Christians. We're meant to be people who are done with sin, who see sin for what it truly is and want it out of our lives. And so we recognise that we're meant to be a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so, do you want to know whether you are really a Christian? Whether you are really done with sin? Do you have doubts whether you are a Christian or not? Well, this text tells you how to confirm whether you are a Christian, to get some evidence whether you are a Christian. How's that? Are you prepared to suffer for doing what is right? Because when someone suffers for doing what is right, they show that they're not involved in that sin anymore. If you are avoiding living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and attestable idolatry, and people are abusing you for avoiding those sins, well, obviously you're avoiding those sins. You're not doing them anymore. People don't insult you for avoiding something that you are doing. If you are suffering for righteousness, for doing what is right then clearly you are done with what is wrong. And is that you then? Do you recognise that you are prepared to suffer? You're prepared to take that humility that Jesus had and suffer for doing the right thing because you are done with sin. If the answer is no, if you know that there's a particular sin you like and you won't give it up because you know you will heap abu- people will heap abuse on you, then you should have serious doubts about whether you're a Christian or not because clearly you're not done with that sin. What you should be doing is arming yourselves with the attitude of Christ, that humility that he had, and saying, I'm going to do God's will even if it means I suffer because he has died for me on the cross and I love him so. So do you arm yourself to suffer for doing what is right? Do you do what verse 1 here in 1 Peter says of chapter 4? He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. This is such a marvellous truth contained in this verse that we are to look at Christ's death the humility that he had to do God's will to suffer in our own lives for doing what is right. Some people seem to think that when it comes to Jesus' death, that's just for non-Christians who are becoming Christians. And Jesus' death, once you've understood that he died for you, you can move on and focus on other things. No, as a Christian, we go back to Jesus' death and again and again. We need to meditate upon his death. Because it is through his death that we can learn to live for him and particularly to endure suffering for doing righteousness. Are you someone who considers Jesus' death again and again in your life? Or do you think that it is just something for unbelievers to hear about and that you don't need to hear about it anymore? You need to meditate upon Jesus' death if you're going to indeed suffer for doing what is right. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you indeed that Jesus Christ did indeed suffer in his body. And we thank you that we can learn how he was brought to that point, that he took an attitude of humility to do your will because he is a person who is done with sin, a person who never sinned. And so it was impossible for him to consider that he would stay away from the cross when that is what you willed for him. Lord, we pray that we may take the same attitude of Jesus. Lord, it is a sad truth that we as Christians should expect to suffer for doing what is right. This is indeed a sinful world and it hates righteousness in so many ways. Lord, we pray that when we suffer for doing what is right, we may be able to endure such suffering because we have armed ourselves with an attitude of humility that we are not too good to suffer, but that we recognise that if Jesus, God himself, comes into this world and is willing to suffer for your will, then we should be willing to do the same as well. And We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.